the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back to the Exxon, everyone. Uh, wow, we are less than 24 hours away from uh, Halloween night. I guess this is the first Halloween that kids are going to be able to go out since the COVID. Going back now, what, a year and a half, two years, Craig? Wow. You're listening to us on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Classic 1220 CFAJ. I guess this hour, Exonation is Cleet Keith, and uh, Cleet never thought he would have thoughts of writing a book, let alone one on the paranormal. He was not someone uh, totally convinced in the existence of ghosts or spiritual hauntings until he started at Greystone Mansion in Beverly Hills. After 22 years and retirement looming, he woke up one night at 3 o'clock with the idea of writing a book about all that, all the stories that he has heard as well as his own experiences. 
Joining us now is Cleet Keith. And uh, Cleet, welcome to the Exxon. Hey, Rob. Thanks for ha- having me. Tell us a little bit about uh, Greystone. Uh, it sounds like something out of Batman. <laughs> well, it, it is an amazing location. It's it's literally right in the middle, uh, the, the upper section of Beverly Hills. Um, if you drive by it today, you'd think it's somebody's mansion up on the hill, but it was built back in 1927, and you'd have no idea that uh, it's 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 unoccupied now. It's a park for the uh, the city of Beverly Hills, but uh, it still has this aura of it, it's it's creepy looking in the day. It's not so bad. At night, it gets worse and worse as really? it goes. How haunted is it? It's beyond haunted and those who are in the paranormal field know about this place everybody's aware of it and uh it's uh, as you said I, I worked here for 22 years and i had uh having written this book i had over 300 stories wow that i accumulated over just you know talking to my friends who said she talked to this friend she talked to this friend and it went on and on until it was just overwhelming. And, and as I was writing the book, things were happening on a daily basis. So it never ends. It, it, I'm no longer there. But uh, I get calls from the rangers that are saying, you're not going to believe what happened today. So it's, it's still happening. What is the history of the mansion? Well, um, Edward L. Doheny was, was uh, a, a man who came out from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And he came out to L.A. in the late 1800s to find gold. He didn't find gold, but he ended up with his friend Charles Canfield. They they bought a little plot of land near downtown LA and started digging because they were told about oil. And they dug down uh, 150 feet with a pick and a shovel. It's 15 stories down. Ended up going even further. Uh, they went actually, Rob, they went down 450 feet. 45 stories down, and they hit oil. He started bringing up seven barrels a day, ended up going down to Mexico, buying a huge plot of land in Mexico, hit a 600-foot geyser in Mexico, and became a billionaire when a penny met something. And uh, it became the Rockefellers and the Doheny's. And he went and bought 429 acres in Beverly Hills in that area. And of that 429 acres, he gave his son... Ned, a 12.58 acreage uh, area there, and that's where Ned built Greystone. Have you always had a fascination with the paranormal? Have you always been a believer? Uh, no, no, and, and and it's 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 really strange how I ended up in involved with this. Uh, there were a couple things when I was younger that happened to my mom and dad. Uh, to myself at one point, which I still had a hard time believing it was paranormal. And it wasn't until I started working at Greystone that uh, my my first uh, couple days at Greystone, they told me, somebody's filming up there right now if you want to go look. They were filming a Sprite commercial. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll check it out. So I went up there, went through the to the uh, West Court, and as I was walking up there, some guy was running out of the building screaming f this f this place f this and and ran off Mm. and and i was like i went up to the ranger who was uh, became a great friend of mine ranger clark and i said what was that all about 
And they had been treating that house so horribly by dropping things on the marble floor, um, drilling into the wood, painting oh, things that shouldn't have been painted. They were disrespecting that home. And this one guy was upstairs in one of the bedrooms mm-hmm. wrapping up cable putting it in, in like a, a crate, like those milk crates that they use. And he wrapped up the cable, threw it in the crate, pushed that crate over, started on another one. And he looked over and that crate that he just put the cable in went across the room, all the way across the room by itself. And he snapped and ran out and, and he never came back. So that was my introduction, Rob. <laughs> now, what experiences did you have at the mansion? My experience, I I had one major experience that happened to me. Mm -hmm. The majority of my experiences were my friends who were mostly rangers, but other people that showed up to the the location just as uh, visitors. Uh, But the rangers are the ones that have access to the mansion. It's not usually open to the public. So the rangers will have access, and they have to go in to set up uh, events, uh, whatever it may be, and so they are prominent within the home, and they will have those uh, those events take place, these encounters. But for me, I was down in the basement, and uh, Ranger Clark was giving a, a tour to my sister and her husband, who'd flown in from Hawaii. And they said, "Hey, we're here." I said, "Okay, I'll be. I'll get down there as soon as I can." When I got down the basement, and in it's the basement is like beyond creepy, and you go into this area where they have this um they used to have like a a a cooling system which was a water cooling system for the for the house and uh um, a huge uh uh, like a burner in there for coal and all that stuff so we were he was down there telling them about how all that works and suddenly there were these huge three knocks bangs against the wall right next to me and it was really loud and I jumped and I looked and, and looked at Steve and said, what was that? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, well, are you doing this because my sister's here? He goes, no, I'm not doing any. I said, but uh, what was that? And I said, get Dan, this other ranger, my other buddy, get him, get him on the I want to see if he's here. Calls up Dan. He's at another park. And Steve said, look, you've always wanted something to happen. It just happened. And now you're acting like it didn't happen. So that it was really frightening. Uh, down down in that basement, man, there's some things that happened down there that were just just beyond creepy, really creepy. So what other kind of experiences have the rangers as well as guests in the mansion? You know, what kind of experiences, encounters have they had? Well, I mean, there there are you know obviously a bunch of stories that that I've written. Um, uh, we have like in essence. Uh, I don't know if you know the background or the history of the mansion, but the the one thing that took place, the, the place was being built. It started in February 15th of 1927. And by September of 28, the family, Ned and his wife, Lucy, his daughter, Lucy, and their four boys were able to move into that home. And, and, and that's in like, you know, you can't even get permits today in that amount of time. Well, they moved into the home. And within four, that's in September 28, four months later, February 16th, 1929, Ned was dead in the house. Oh, no. And, yeah, so um, he had a secretary, Hugh, that had been friends with him when they were younger, that had come on, and he was his best friend, and they were, he was working for Ned, and there was an argument on the night of the 16th with uh, Ned and Hugh, and they'd been drinking, 
and it was over uh, uh, oil in a trial called the Teapot Dome scandal that was coming up. And we don't know specifically what took place, but we know that shots were fired. Ned was lying dead in the South Guest Room, and Hugh was lying dead on the outside of that, that room right in the hallway there. So the question always becomes, Rob, is um, why did this take place? Was it because they were just angry at each other? Was it because the property itself uh, was probably Indian property at some point, and it's, it was cursed? Uh, it was Mexican land at one point. Was there something placed on the land at that time? And the other thing is... All right, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger. I do have to take my first break at <laughs> this time, Cleet. Okay, okay. All right, ExoNation, Cleet Keith is our guest. He is the author of Ghost of Greystone, Beverly Hills. His website is ghostsofgreystone.com, and we'll both be back on the other side of this break as the Exxon continues right here from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Happy Halloween, everyone. And welcome back, everyone. Cleet Keith is our guest, and we're talking about his new book, Ghosts of Greystone, Beverly Hills. And his website is ghostsofgreystone.com. All right, so continue, please. We had a bit of a cliffhanger here. Okay, so the question becomes, um, what caused that murder that night? And, and having that murder take place, did that murder open a portal within the home? Because the house has a portal. And a portal basically being a, a highway for ghosts to come in and go. And uh, I had two uh, great psychics had been in over the years. One was Peter James was his name and a well-known psychic. Mm -hmm. And he had come into the home to talk to us. And he pointed up to this one corner and said, oh, my God, do you know that you have a, a portal here? We said, had no idea. No, but there was always a lot of activity up in that corner of that room. And then about 15 years later, Chris Fleming, uh, who's another psychic on all the shows and stuff, he came in and he walked in and he looked up at the same corner and said, do you know you have a portal in here? I went, we've been told that by Peter James. So there, did that open up a portal? Did that, that, um, the, the anger and the aggression and the gunfire and the murder, did that open up a specific portal that has now allowed spirits to come and go? Because there, there are quite a few spirits in the home. So would you say that these spirits are an asset to the publicity and to people wanting to come to the, the manor now because it is 
so-called haunted? Well, the, the trick is the city does not want people to, to look at it as a haunted mansion. It's really because the city has it and it's a venue. It's, it's mm-hmm. an event venue home. So they do weddings there. They do corporate events. Uh, they have all different types. They've done a design show and a car show. They did all these things there. And the last thing they wanted was for people to, to know that it's haunted because they were afraid that people would turn it down, that they wouldn't want to come there. Um, I think, honestly, Rob, uh, having worked there and with people come up to, to check out the place, they have two questions usually for me. The first question, it's not about like, oh, the, I see the architecture is uh, early 18th century Gothic. It's never that. It's like, is this place haunted? And where are the restrooms? Those are the only two questions that I will be asked. And I was told not to say it's haunted, but if they asked me, I would take them aside and say, you have no idea. This place is nuts. Hmm. So does the city allow ghost investigators to come in and do that thing they do or? Is that taboo <laughs> That's within a good the, question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had many calls. In fact, I used, they used to turn them over to me and say, hey, ghost hunters wants to come in and all this stuff. The, the city would not allow it. Never, still haven't. And uh, I got to the point where um, I contacted Dead Files because I wanted them to come in because Amy Allen is like extremely gifted. And I wanted her to pick up and see what happened that night because we still don't know. And I, I sent it out to them, and uh, on, a, on a Facebook, they, they, they got back to me, and they called me up, and I said, look, I'm not going to tell you where it is in Beverly Hills, but um, it's a very haunted location. And she says, Greystone? <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah, okay. Yes, it is Greystone. And she said, let me get back to you. They got back to me and said, we would, we would actually like to do a show there. I said, okay. I went to my boss at that time and said, look. We can find out what's going on by bringing them in. And he said, nope, not doing it. Because there were still, I think, two of the original um, kids that lived there were still alive. They were in their 80s, and one was almost 90. But they didn't want anybody coming and why they were still alive. So has that changed uh, since that time? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not there now. Uh, I, I retired and got out of there. Uh, but um, all my friends work there. So I've talked to them and they say, no, it's not. That That probably won't change, Rob. It'll never change unless a whole new crew comes in and years have gone by and it's in the background. They go, OK, we'll, we'll do a show. But part of the problem also is you can't shoot past 10 o'clock at night within the city of Beverly Hills unless you get a permit and everything, which is really difficult to get because there are people that live around Greystone that pay gazillions of taxes and they say, we want it quiet. We don't want it, you know, cameras sure. or filming past 10 o'clock. And that's, that's what is upholded for the city. Well, you really can't blame them, can you? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's like they, they have all, I mean, the guy who lives next door, I won't say who he is, but, um, you know, he, he, Basically, it used to be Kenny um, Kenny Rogers' home, and then Marvin Davis's home, and he bought it uh, as a, a as a fixer-upper for forty-two million. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of money that's being put out there, and they want their place the way they want it. But and let me it, let, yeah. let me ask you this: 
If this place is so haunted, and this, this is something I can't understand when I have paranormal investigators on, if a place is haunted, should they not be able to do an investigation during the day as well as the night? I don't buy the fact that all these things only happen at night. I think that when I hear that from a so-called paranormal investigator, I know that they're not legitimate. Mm-hmm. So why, you know, like, why couldn't they film during the day? They could. Um, there, there's no question that they could come in. It's it's really a stance by the city saying we don't want people in there I see. while the families was still alive. But now they have passed. And it's like, well, uh, what about bringing them in now? And their their stance is we don't want hmm. to pull. We, we don't want something on the air talking about how haunted this location is after spending. And they just spent. A lot of money on the. Uh, they have a, a theater there that's there, and I don't know if you ever, if you've ever seen the the film There Will Be Blood. Did you no. ever see that? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's with uh, Daniel Day Lewis, and they they shot there. It's very well known. There's a bowling alley down below the theater, and that's that was used in the the final scene of the whole film. It's the the climax of the whole movie, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're fine with that. They just don't want haunted stuff saying, if you go there, you may see this kind of ghost or that kind of ghost. They don't want it. They're just not going to do it. Well, you know what? I can understand it because not everybody's into the ghost thing. That's true. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and Rob, you know, I, I had a, a point where they actually put me uh, with with this woman, Sarah, to work the weddings up there. And she looked at me and said, do not talk about the ghosts we're trying to get people in not out and i said i got you i got you but but just like you said i would have a a couple come up fiance and 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 they would say uh is this place haunted and then i'm stuck i'm like uh why do you ask (laughs) that's what i would do to see where their head is at and they go well if it's haunted we don't want to be here i said no it's not haunted don't worry about it but other people, just, I had a couple that came up, and they said, is this place haunted? And I said, why do you ask? She goes, because that's why we want to do our wedding here, because we heard it's haunted. And I said, well, then you're in good shape, because it is haunted. They went, yeah! They were really excited about it. So you never know. So besides the mansion, uh, do you go out and do any ghost hunting, or do you go out and research other locations in L.A. and Beverly Hills? I don't. I don't. I never wanted to do this in the first place it's just that if if you're there mm-hmm. things will happen and after 22 years and listening to all the stories i just decided you know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna write down what i know all the things that i've heard yeah but people are going to read the book and is this your way of getting around the city ordinance <laughs> well you know rob what happened was when i started doing this everybody's saying how are you gonna get away with this yeah. i mean and i said look look Anybody, Rob, you could go visit the mansion and get uh, some ideas or something and write a book about what you feel about the mansion. They can't mm-hmm. stop you on that. Um, I was concerned that there were so many stories in it. That it's The book is 520 pages, and wow. it's all filled with just stories. And so of the, that people told me, literally told me that I interviewed. And so my concern was, is the city going to say, why are you doing this? Now I was working at the time for the city, so I thought they're gonna they're gonna can me. And um, what I did was 
I ended up going to the city manager because I had heard that he had a story that happened down in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I got him to talk and I put him in the book so that I kind of protected myself. It's a horrible thing, but I kind of protected myself because I wanted to make sure that I could I could do the book and not have them come after me. Makes sense. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour, so please stand by, Cleet. Exonation. Cleet Keith is our special guest at this hour. He's the author of Ghosts of Greystone, Beverly Hills. His website, www.ghostsofgreystone.com. And we'll be back on the other side as the Exxon continues on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and on Classics 1220 CFAJ in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. a pumpkin. I was a pumpkin, a big orange pumpkin. A big orange pumpkin. And when you, were there a lot of children out there? Not so much. No? Did you get a lot of candy? Yeah, I got a lot of candy. Mommy's eating all the chocolate bars. Well, tell Mommy that's your candy, honey. Okay. Tell her. And welcome back, everyone. Cleet Keith is our special guest this hour. We're talking about Cleet's new book that gets released uh, on Halloween Day. The name of the book is Ghosts of Greystone, Beverly Hills. Uh, what are your? Can you give us, let's say, three of your most favorite stories in the book? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a uh, great story of a friend of mine, Steve Clark, which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a woman named Mary Nichols who's a very well-known photographer, and she does work for photographer, like for uh, 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 Architectural Digest and those type of magazines. And we had done a design show, and all these designers came in. They chose a room, and they're they're able to design that room. Then we'd bring the public in, and they could look at it and see if they wanted to, you know, purchase anything within the room or have them come over and design their house. It's a very it was a big to do, and so Mary was asked to come in and take photos of each room. And she said that she hated coming to Greystone because she knew she had situations where she knew it was haunted. Things happened to her. Mm -hmm. Things were, uh, her batteries were drained. Um, her, there's a switch, a certain type of switch that 
for her lights that literally would switch off. You could watch the switch move and go off. And it happened constantly to the point where she said, you know, you've got to stop this. If you don't stop this, this place, we're trying to raise some money to redo the electrical here. And if you keep doing that, and I can't get these photos to get them out for people to, to raise some money, then this place may burn down and you won't have another place to stay. And it stopped. So that that ended that uh, paranormal thing for her. And so that night, Steve Clark mm -hmm. came in and he was gonna go down to the basement to shut off some of the lights. It was 9.30 at night. and Back then, you had to go down into the basement to this huge old 1927 panel that had these big shifts, these, these uh, handle shifts on it, and switch them down to shut them off. So he went down, and this is in the dark. Remember, it's real, this house is really dark at night. He went down the staircase. He goes to the door. He opens the door. There's a cage there, a metal cage that you have to unlock with a lock. And he takes his keys out, and he hears... From inside the basement, this growl scream that he said sounded, it wasn't human, but it wasn't animal. It was in between, and it screamed at him. And he had been told by an investigator before, don't automatically assume that it's paranormal. It could be something else. So, so make sure you try to verify. Yeah. So Steve, who just was uh, so shocked and, uh, and afraid stood there and said, if that's somebody in there, do that again. And it went, it came out even louder. And he ran out, up out of there, ran into the main hall, the grand hall, and there was Mary taking photos. And he just snapped. And he's the, he's the senior ranger. And he just snapped. He ran up to her and said, you, where, where were you? She was with her, her lighting guy. You were just down in the basement, weren't you? You were in the basement. And she goes, no, we're, we were taking photos here. You're telling me you weren't in the basement? She goes, Stephen, what's wrong with you? You had to be down. He just snapped. And she, he said, well, let's hope it's human and, and not something else. Get out. Everybody get out. So he threw, not threw them out, but escorted them out called me. I lived down the street. I came there. I met with Steve. He was really shaken. And by the way, he was shaken also, Rob, when I brought him back to the mansion to tell these stories. You could see he was reliving it. And the fear in his face as I brought him down to the basement was still there, still palpable. And um, I went down in there with, he goes, I don't want to go in. I, I said, just, I'll, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. Went down the steps, went to the gate there to the, and and I said, you scared my friend, scare me. Come on, come on out. You scared my friend, you scare me. And nothing happened. Nothing came forward, whatever. And he looks at me, he goes, I swear I'm telling the truth. I said, Steve, I can tell you're, you're, you're telling me the truth just by the way you look. That was a, a really frightening situation for him. And uh, we had... We have a woman in there, uh, not a woman, a, a, a girl in there, Rob, that um, one day I was, I was uh, overseeing some the film crew that came in to do a movie, and this woman broke away from the, group, the crew and came over to me, and she had her eyes were really wide, and I go, uh-oh, something's wrong here. And she said, uh, is, is this place, you know, haunted? And I go, uh, no, I, 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 I didn't want to, I couldn't say anything to her. I said, why do you ask? She said, because ever since I was a little girl, I could see, hear, feel, sense 
spirits. And when I walked in here, I looked over and this little girl ran at me and said, my name is Emily. It's Emily. My name is Emily. And she looked at this little girl. She saw that the crew wasn't reacting. And she she said she walked away from the crew around a wall and turned to her and said, okay, your name's Emily. Don't do this to me. Stay away from me. Do not do this to me. So she said, so my question is, is this place haunted? I said, yes. Did a little girl die here? I said, yes. What was her name? Emily. I said, we don't know. She goes, it's Emily. And ever since that day when I've been in there, I say, hello, Emily, how are you doing? And then I start working on this book and I find this guy named Glenn Gregory, who used to be a counselor uh, for the, the um, Catskills camp that we had there. And he said one morning he came in and he parked his Jeep by the firehouse that's right off the, the mansion, went upstairs, got his clipboard, came out, looked across from that that um, balcony across to what's the balustrades and the top of the recreation wing. It's probably about oh, 100 feet away, 50 feet away. And he sees a little girl standing on the top of the roof, all in white dress, looking at him. He's like, how did, he goes, I was, clean. I was, I was going like, first of all, how did she get in the park? Secondly, where are her parents? Third, wh- how did, what is she doing on the roof? Mm. So he looks at her and goes, hey, uh, uh, oh, geez. and he starts, as he starts to walk down the stairs from, from the balcony, he turns back and looks at her. She climbs the balustrades and jumps off. And in essence, would, would have landed in the courtyard. This is way up there. And he snapped and, and flipped and just went, oh, my God, ran down the stairs, ran over into the courtyard looking for her, mm-hmm. freaking out. And some of the other counselors showed up. He goes, go, she must be around the other side of the house. Go over there. You can, Go over there and check. The, they, they went everywhere, and they all looked at her and go, there's nobody here. And he goes, like, how? He goes, and Clay, maybe I just thought all that up. Maybe that never happened. And I said, Glenn, do you remember what she was wearing? Because yeah, it was a white dress. I said, right there, you didn't make it up. You remember it. It happened. And he ended up telling me of another woman who was a counselor there as well, who was with the same balcony up there about a month later with some kids who were painting and coloring up there. And she goes inside the office there and the kids start screaming. And she said, I was, I was a lifeguard. So I know what that scream is. And I ran out and all these kids suddenly stopped screaming and just stared at her. And she goes like, what, what? And the one kid looks over and points to the roof of the rec wing and said, there was a girl in white and she jumped. So that validated Glenn's story. Mm Mm-hmm. And that little girl, Emily, has been seen by several rangers, by a guy who was delivering flowers for an event. He said, you got a little girl running around here. We go, in our heads, we go, that's impossible. He must have seen Emily. The place is closed. So she is well known through that. And I even had a conversation with her, Rob, where I left a, uh, a camera inside the house that I was able to access from my apartment here. And I went on that camera and I left, you know how you can leave a flashlight? Yeah. That's barely off. And I had that on the floor and I was speaking through the, from my iPad here in my apartment through that mansion. And I, I, I saw the light come on 
And then it went off and I said, Emily, turn it on one more time, please. Boom, the light comes on. I said, thank you. Can you turn that off for me? Light goes off. I had like an eight minute conversation with her. Did you record that? Yes, I did. Wow. Yeah. And it, it's astounding. And it's like she was she was in there and mm-hmm. I would ask, her, do you have friends in the house? Light goes on. I said, oh, good, good. You got to turn that off on. You got it. Perfect. There you go. Um, you know, uh, do you know what year it is? All, all that stuff. So it was fascinating, really. And she's she's still in there. She's, I, I, when I left, I, I left a, some flowers for her in her room. Ah. All right, you and I have to take our final break. ExoNation, Keith, uh, Keith is our guest. And if you'd like to find out more about uh, this great book that is just being released tomorrow on Halloween, visit ghostsofgreystone.com. Uh, ghosts That's com. We'll be back as we wrap up this hour, just on the other side of this break. If a daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If a daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Speed along the lane, you can dine or return to 25. When the sun goes down, you can make it big and good and lay by. When I dread people, when I dirty, when I mean, we love it. Welcome back. Halloween is tomorrow, so to all the kids out there, please be careful. Moms and dads, make sure your little ones are nice and warm and that they take safety precautions. Give them a flashlight to carry. That's always a great idea. And uh, make sure that there's an adult with them. We have to be careful. No matter where you are, safety first, my friends. Exonation Cleet Keith is our guest. His book is entitled Ghosts of Greystone, Beverly Hills. And if you'd like to find out more about Cleet, visit the website ghostsofgraystone.com We were talking before about the photographer who had issues with her her camera equipment and uh, they were there to raise money for the electrical in the mansion. Am I correct? That's correct, yeah. Is it possible that a lot of the or some of the uh, paranormal activity that is being experienced could be caused by faulty electrical impulses, especially when it comes to cameras, because if uh, if there's an electromagnetic field, that would definitely bugger up the electronics in a camera. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so in this case. I mean, uh, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. they, they actually uh, did redo the uh, electrical in that home. It cost close to a million dollars, and they rewired 10 miles of wire. Wow, that's a lot. Is that crazy? So, um, no, the, the, um, 
the fact that she was having trouble is something that she's never experienced. Mm. Uh, and the switching, moving of the switch, it's an actual physical switch. Um, I wish I could show you I had photos of, uh, of this type of switch that she sent me. But it's it's a hard one to do. It's a, right. it's a switch that you have to, with your thumb, press it down and flick it over. And that that was moving. So that, that has nothing to do with electric. That it was just moving. The draining we- of the batteries uh, is a known factor for spirits trying to get some energy. And they will drain well, your batteries and use it. And not long after having drained her batteries, that's when Steve heard the growl in the basement. But electromagnetic fields will also drain batteries. <clears throat> You know, I, and do they? Yeah. So you, I, I try to rationalize reality from psychosis or or people who just add one and one together, and they get two. Where if they added one and one together, sometimes it would be two point five, and so on. Um, something I have an issue with is how can something that ha- that cannot be seen has no mass can flick a switch physically. I don't know. I, and, and that is not uncommon, Rob. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's how can something that has no mass uh, with no voice box speak? So uh, we, we had, you know, many instances of that. Um, w- one, there was a, a ranger who was brand new mm-hmm who was told at some point you're going to have to, you're going to have to close by yourself, you know, and, and they're like, yeah, okay. Cause nothing has happened to them. Well, this ranger, Patrick, uh, he was left by himself to close up. He started turning off all the lights in the mansion. Remember this mansion, just so we know is, um, 46,000 square feet. Um, it's 55 rooms. Wow. 67 altogether, meaning walk-in closets and things. It's huge. So when you do an event or something, a Mm -hmm. lot of lights are turned on. So part of his job was to go turn off all the lights, and he did all through the the bottom floor, the first floor, went up the second floor, did all the second floor, and came into, on the second floor, to Mrs. Doheny's uh, dressing room. And he walked in there and looked and checked, turned off a light, and as he was standing there looking to see if there's anything else on, he said he heard a voice in his left ear say, you missed one. And he said, he, he said, he just froze mm-hmm. and then turned around, saw nobody was there, turned back and went, that, that didn't just happen. That, no, that, that no, no, that couldn't have happened because she didn't die in this room. Well, you don't have to die in that room in order to be in that room. So that was his frame of reference. So it couldn't have been her. And he's like, no, no, okay, okay, I'm cool, I'm cool. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And he he turns off that light, starts to leave, and he looks over, and in the daughter's room, a light was left on. So that tripped him out. And I said, honestly, Patrick, not to freak you out anymore, but imagine she must have been with you that whole time walking through the house to know that you missed one. Besides the people who work there, have any of the guests at events reported paranormal activity? Yes. Yes. So, uh, Again, during um, events and things there, I've had people come up to me and this one guy said he was grabbed, he was touched. Um, 
I I had done you know it's not it's kind of what you're talking about, but I had done tours there before of of just people um, that would come in. Um, sometimes they they would say, "Would you do a ghost tour?" And we won't tell tell anybody. And I would do a ghost tour, and and meeting with all respect. And I and I say that before I go inside to everybody, I said, "This is this is their home. It's not ours." There is no joking around. It's all respect for the spirits that are inside. And we go in and I will just say right here what this woman saw here, what happened there. But during those tours, many times I had people uh, touched uh, whispers in their ear. And I even had one guy who was jumped, in essence, had an attachment and took it home with him. And uh, good things did not happen after that. So it, it, it is possible for um, people to come in and just walk around, be within the home, and actually have uh, an, an experience where, like I said, the guy walking in with some flowers one day for one of the shows, placed them down, looked around, saw this little girl running around. He said, who's the little girl in there? Yeah. So it, it can happen. Hmm. Why don't you exercise all the ghosts, get rid of them, and solve all the problems? Well, I don't think it's that easy, to be honest. I know for a fact that that up in the, uh, you know, there is that portal, so they can come and go, maybe even close the portal. Um, there is a, and I was told uh, by Chris Fleming, who's very good at what he does, that there is a demonic uh, spirit up in the attic and he goes from the attic into the basement. And he said, and that's what your friend heard. So when Chris Fleming and I went up there, I took him up there, we walked around and we went into one of these doors that leads to the catwalks that are up there, a huge amount of catwalks in the very top of the house so that they could go in there and fix lights and things without doing it inside the house. They would pull up the, the, the lighting, uh, uh, the, in essence, the, the lamps and things that were connected by chains so they could pull them up and work from the ceiling. And um, we went in there, walked inside, and he stepped there and stopped, looked at me and said, you've got a demon in here, and I never say that. And I said, okay. In my head, I'm going like, well, you can say that, but it doesn't mean there's a demon in here. And when we walked in, he turned on his recorder and said, I know you're in here. Not only, and not only do I know that you're the bad spirit that's in here, but you're the spirit that's been scaring all the good spirits in here. What do you think of that? But you don't scare me. And he turns it off, plays it back, and the word that came out screamed out of that recording was, in essence, a-hole. That's what it said, screamed at us. Only the full word. And it was chilling. And then this, as I said, you know what, Let, let's get out of here. And this other girl who was with him said, turned on her recorder and said, well, then you must take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I go, don't, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. She plays back her recording and it says the F word, screaming the F word. So it's not that easy to get rid of. I had somebody come in, Patty Negra came in. And she's very well known, and she did like a, kind of a blessing and sage and all that stuff. It's not. It's it, it, you need like you need like somebody like Amy Allen on Dead Files to come and say, "Here's what you need to do to clear this home." <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight, and uh, continued success. And 
Well, Exxon Nation, you've heard it. Visit the website. Send me your comments. Are you a believer or are you a skeptic? Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. You know, I have to wonder, I really have to wonder about certain people who, you know, he was kind of saying that the city didn't want him to do things, but he did them anyway. So I, I don't know. Plus the psychics that he mentioned, I have no faith in all in, but that's just me. Von Prague? Nah, fake. You know, it's all for money. It's all for glitter. It's all for show. Interesting how he, um, how he was telling that even though he wasn't supposed to be doing it, he wrote a book about it anyway. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give credibility of 2. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side. Whatever you do, do not go away. Mm-hmm. 